Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Woke Bros. Of course, I'm Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazney Lambray. As always, I'm joined by the sultry Spaniard, <laughs> my boy, on the west side of Los Angeles, in, in sunny Santa Monica, where it's not, you know, I'm a start heat over there. Well, I'm actually in an undisclosed location. I'm not in LA right now. I'm Ooh. in the bunker. Yeah, Ooh, I'm in a in bunker. The, he's in an undisclosed yeah. location. Nando's yeah. relocated. Yeah. My boy has relocated. But Nando Vila, ladies and gentlemen, on today's show, we're going to talk about Donald Trump's executive order over the weekend mandating an extension of the unemployment benefits relief package. Um, Really, it wasn't an order so much as a a nod or, you know, when you sneeze and you go, hurry up and extend it. You know when people do that? Um, That's what Donald Trump did over the weekend to the Republican Senate, the the Republican-controlled Senate. Uh, Ilhan Omar, people thought that was going to be a hotly contested primary out in Minnesota. She laid the smackdown on the competition (laughs) over there. We're going to get into that. But first, of course, the big news of the week. Joe Biden announces Kamala Harris as his running mate 
for his presidential campaign in November for, you know, yes, for the election. In- queen. Yes, queen. Yes, absolutely. A yes, queen moment. Um, <laughs> you know, to get the important stuff out of the way first. This is historic for many reasons. Kamala Harris is the first woman of Asian descent of Western African descent. And we don't want to get into the intricacies of this. Because people want to make the difference, the fact that her father is descendant of West African slaves who got dropped off in Jamaica rather than America. Um, People want to make that distinction. For the purposes of of this show, we're not. She's a black woman. Um, She's also an Indian woman. Uh, And um, yeah, man, it's historic for all of those reasons. She's a woman. She's black. She's Indian. Um, East Asian, and she's the first of, of of any of those kinds to be nominated vice president of these United States of America. Historic moment, and I think that's important. But honestly, Nando, for our purposes, for you know, the dirty hippie commie <laughs> socialist people that we are over here, um, this is kind of par for the course, right? Um, Kamala Harris is definitional democratic establishment Mm. person. She just checks every single box that, you know, gets the dicks hards, the vaginas wet of the people who run the democratic party. Right. Um, she had the right jobs. She went to the right schools. She, you know, she ticks off all of the demographic boxes that we dad just literally just mentioned. So it's like, it's the neoliberal um, sort of ethos at yeah. its apex. It's like, yes, we did it all in one swoop. We got a chick. Yeah. We got we got somebody who worked at the DA's office. You know, we can we can bandy her about and say, look, we love Negroes. <laughs> look, we even love Asian people. Like, look at how great we are. The big tent party. And more importantly to those people, she is somebody who the money mm. class loves. They love her so much. She moves effortlessly within those rooms. Nando actually shared with us a nice article in CNBC where anonymous people from within the money class were doing high fives and sort of twerking and tootsie rolling at the idea that Kamala was the was the um, was the pick here because they love her over there. That, and that's important to the Democratic Party establishment. Like, as much as they like to be this fake ass for the people, mm-hmm. you know, um, populist sort of working class, allegedly party, they love nothing more than people who can cozy up to the donor class. Um, Kamala Harris is great on the fundraising circuit, right? Because, like, you know, she is by politician standards. Very charismatic. Um, she's an attractive person. Like she's she's per- she's just perfect. She's just the perfect choice for where the party's going in strategically, Nando. And I've tried to mention this over and over and over again. Joe Biden and his you know his campaign doubled down on cynicism, nothingness, do nothing, being unimaginative. You can't tell me what the unifying theme of this ticket is besides... Come on, uh, man. We're not Donald Come Trump. Come on, man. 
Come on, man. You don't want Donald Trump. You know, like, there's no unifying message. This is not Barry in 08 with the hope, with the, like, we're going to get health care to every single American. There's yeah. nothing unifying this ticket besides not Trump. There's They're not offering people anything besides some vague idea of federal government stability and not being a lunatic, which fair enough. It won. You know what I'm saying? And picking Kamala Harris is basically a doubling down on those efforts. And to be fair, Nando, and I know I've been (laughs) droning on for a minute here to be fair. um, That shit worked and it won. Right. It won them the nomination. So the idea that they would do anything besides double down on the things that that won them the nomination, which was, again, unimaginative. It's not like, oh, let's get more health care at cheaper rates for people. It's like, nah, let's just make Obamacare. Just just get back to whatever Obamacare was. That was great. It's just essentially status quo. America generally is fine for everybody. Um, maybe we need a couple of more black and women senators and, and Congress people and people on the boards of Google <laughs> and Facebook. But like, for the most part, it's fine. That's what they ran on. That's what they're doubling down on. And that's what this choice you know, signals I find to it me. remarkable that it's been just a couple months since George Floyd was killed on national TV, which ignited a social uprising that was really unprecedented in American history, comprised obviously overwhelmingly by the base, uh, voter base of the Democratic Party, um, and that in this moment of just profound social unrest and social uprising, the nominal kind of left of center party in the United States, the Democratic Party, the party that is in theory of those people, chooses a tough on crime prosecutor uh, uh, as their, as their VP nominee. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a slap in the face. It's a, it's a, it's a declaration of intentions that they, uh, don't need us, that they don't want us, that they will, you know, cynically use the specter of the right to cow us into voting for them. And it's going to work. I mean, that's the, that's the sad reality of it. It's all going to work. You know, Kamala, at the end of the day, again, like you said, it's it's just a, uh, a great way to reinforce the status quo while feigning some very superficial kind of progressive uh, intent. And but when the reality is the ruling class like absolutely loves her. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the only kind of very, 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 very small silver lining in this whole thing is that it wasn't Susan Rice. Like it wasn't someone worse. It wasn't someone way more ideologically committed like Susan Rice or Pete Buttigieg or some other awful person like Amy Klobuchar or whatever. Like Kamala is slightly more cynical in, 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 and, um, I think kind of, um, more of a weather vane than those people who are just like deeply committed ideologues. You know, she did, yep. she did in theory support Medicare for all at the beginning of her print. She yeah. trotted it out. And then the, the idea of abolishing private yeah, insurance, she, she, she said, started like whiffle waffling, but I, the- I, it, it, it seemed clear <laughs> that at the beginning of the campaign, she saw that that's where the energy was and kind of pivoted there, even if it was cynical or whatever, which means that she is, 
movable, if that makes sense, because she, the, the, we've seen and history has proven um, and recent history has proven even more overwhelmingly that the Veep choice of a pre, like a, of a the, what, if the if the president ends up winning. So like if Biden ends up winning, his Veep will be the standard bearer of the Democratic Party going forward. You know, she will be yep. the next Democratic nominee for president if Biden wins. Right. If, if Biden loses, she probably. You know, I mean, she'll try again, but she's not like a guaranteed shoe. And if Biden wins, she will be the next Democratic nominee. So we have to get used to the idea of Kamala being in our lives for a long time, you know, and, and potentially becoming yep. president or at least running for president as the standard bearer of the Democratic Party. And in that sense, like, you know, there is a very, 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 very small silver lining in that she seems kind of willing to go with the energy in certain moments, uh, whereas someone like Biden or someone like Hillary or someone like, uh, you know, Susan Rice, Pelosi, we'll, we'll just like, <laughs> we'll just like tell the, the activist base to like, shut the fuck up and get on with it. Right. Um, again, it's, right. it's, it's, it's dispiriting. I mean, the, the, the sort of candidate that had emerged in recent weeks as a sort of like olive branch to the left, but could also kind of play um, with the establishment was Karen Bass from Los Angeles. Um, she was absolutely murdered in the most cynical kind of political hack job way you can imagine. And that like they surfaced like some semi nice comments she said about Fidel Castro after he died saying like, you know, well, you know, I hope he rests in peace or some <laughs> shit. Uh, and that she visited Cuba in 1973 and the Florida Democratic Party was like, this is going to cost us Florida. You know, we're going to, we, if, if they nominate this crazy commie, they're going to oh, fucking cost God. us Florida. So they absolutely murdered her. They like circled the wagons against her <laughs> and they even tried to murder Kamala. I mean, some of the, some of the big wigs in the democratic party, um, Ed Rendell and these kind of fossil cretins that still run everything. Um, <sighs> And are very close to Joe Biden. The idea that the party would be taking marching orders from Ed Rendell is like, dude, like it's 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 definition of insanity. I get it, the PA and Delaware connection and and whatever brotherhood. It's I get it on on the surface level, but uh, like substantively, Ed Rendell is a dinosaur dude a straight up fossil and by the way the type of cat who can you name a place where he could win a democratic uh, primary like he's done in democratic po politics think, as far as Biden viability has revived his career 100 percent um it's crazy dude so yeah um kamala yas queen very exciting and you know i'm <laughs> And look, in this, it's important that we talk about because um, this is the thing that's going to dominate the conversation for the next couple of weeks until we get into the stretch run of November is sort of the the mainstream media's discourse is going to be about the idea of her level of, quote unquote, liberalism. Right. Um, there's they're going to be. They're going to be throwing that Frisbee around um, and you're going to hear some people, they're going to get smart enough people to go on there and be like, I mean, like, we're not talking about freaking Noam Chomsky here, yeah. guys. Like, we're, we're talking about like a straight up establishment dem. And, you know, I think the proof of this, the proof that she is purely establishment is the New York Times described her as, quote, a pragmatic yeah, yeah. moderate. 
This, this, this tells, is how pragmatically like, moderate she is. is. When she was attorney general of California, <laughs> Steve Mnuchin, who at the time was the CEO of a company called One West, um, was committing widespread foreclosure fraud. It literally taking uh, uh, mortgage contracts and whiting out the dates and backdating them and re-signing them to fraudulently foreclose upon homers, homeowners in the financial crisis. It's like one of the most cartoon villain things you could do um, as a blood-sucking leech financial uh, vampire. And the Kamala attorney general's office, like the, the attorneys kind of like right below her, were building a case against him. They produced a 25-page mem memo outlining the widespread illegality and fraud of all of this that was going on, you know, in which they were making mil millions of dollars by foreclosing on people illegally. And um, it got up to Kamala's office, and these attorneys were hungry. They were ready to uh, prosecute. They were ready to sue One West. They were ready to stop this uh, catastrophe from ongoing. And Kamala quashed it. She refused to uh, sue One West. She refused to prosecute Steve Mnuchin. Oh, and lo and behold, uh, a few months later, a donation from Steve Mnuchin uh, goes into her Senate campaign Lord. because that's what she was looking for from the AG's office. She was using it as a launching pad for her Senate career. And the uh, donations of people like Steve Mnuchin were important to her. Steve Mnuchin, I remind everyone who is listening, is the current Secretary of the Treasury under Donald Trump. He is a cartoon villain. Like You cannot find a more villainous person in America than that man. Kamala ran pass blocking for her like a fucking, for him like a left tackle uh, protecting the blind side of her quarterback. And yeah. So that signals to Wall Street, you know, she's, she's going to play ball. She, she will play ball. ball. Like, you know, she'll play ball. <laughs> she will play and, ball. And like some dumb libs will be like, oh my God, it's awesome that we have a WLC in the White House. You know, while the Wall Street people are just laughing all the way to the fucking bank. Uh, it makes me sick. Yeah. It's and you know they're gonna cite stuff like one study showed that she's the I think she's the fourth most liberal voting member of the Senate, which People need to understand the context of that. The Senate is not the House. There is no AOC in the Senate. <laughs> there is no Il Ilhan Omar in the Senate. Well, there Senate. is one. There's Bernie Sanders. Um, but, That's the only one. Right. There's one. <laughs> there's one. There's Bernie freaking Sanders. And there's literally the rest of the Senate. Like, so the concept of being the quote unquote, a quote unquote top 10. Um, liberal yeah, like senator, senator it's 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 just extremely low. Um, and again, you know, you're gonna see it. Um, I know just anecdotally on my timeline, fancy Negroes on Instagram <laughs> are loving it. Um, if you are, you know, somebody who went to an HBCU, joined a Divine Nine fraternity or sorority, uh, this is like. My goodness, when I tell you a circle jerk is happening in those circles, um, it's happening. But at the same time, she got creamed in the primaries amongst younger black people um, by the Warrens and the Bernies. Well, not, not the um, Warrens. They just got creamed. Well, just the you Warren, know. Just the Bernies. <laughs> Warren did not do very well with right. black folks. She got like less than 1%. Got creamed... 
got creamed by that demographic of people. But again, older professional type of black people, um, you know, just the idea that you self-identify as a black person who's an yeah. achiever black, and up with the, the mobile bourgeoisie. black person, the black bourgeoisie is going to eat this up with a fork and a knife. They are just going to, to love it. Um, somebody like me, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm less, I'm less gung ho or happy about it. But again, as Nando mentioned at the top, this could have gone way yeah. worse. You know what I'm saying? Like he could have picked straight up an Ed Rendell type. Um, he could have been like straight up, yo, Joe Manchin, let's do it. You know, and that's and again, that's what you're gonna hear from the corporate media class. She's not a Joe Manchin. She's not a conservative dem. Um, she's not a, she's barely moderate. They're going to say that she's center left, um, which again, the bar to be that in the completely corporatist democratic party establishment is extremely low. Um, my normie ass girlfriend today or yesterday said she got an endorsement from Sean King (laughs) and said it unironically. Um, so that's all you need to know about how this is going to play with the normies. They're going to love it. It's just, it's just perfect for what they, what they're about and what they stand for. Um, no. And, and before, before we go, it's just, you know, again, I don't want to be this overly pessimistic and killing the, the pick and killing the ticket. But, you know, again, Nando sends over a tweet from 2019. (laughs) classic. Where... Com- it's it's just and I'm gonna find let me just find this really quickly to read it for you guys and it's just it's everything you need to know about this person everything you need to know about the party establishment this is their ideology in a freaking nutshell and the tweet it's, goes quote it's, it's from, from Kamala, 2019 by Kamala's account it's from yeah. Kamala Harris's Twitter account yesterday I announced that as president. I'll establish a student loan debt forgiveness program for Pell Grant <laughs> recipients. Great. This is starting off fantastic. Like, hell yeah. Let's for, let's let's get rid of the, the crippling student loan debt. Trillions of bucks of normal, you know, working class type of people or even slightly professional class type of people whose lives are being ruined by just crippling student loan debt. The tweet continues. For Pell Grant recipients... Who start a business that operates for three years in disadvantaged communities? So what like, the fuck like twelve are you people in America about? qualify for this thing. Like, what are you talking about? Like, literally about? twelve like, people what? in America qualify for this like Rube Goldberg neoliberal nightmare policy, like where you have to like fill out twenty five thousand forms, you know, uh, to Bruh. prove that you like uh, opened up like a taco truck in the it, ghetto or something. Yeah. It's 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 just insanity. It's like it, it, it's it's more of this. Yo, the market solves yeah. every single need you ever had in the history of the world all the time. Like it's just insane ideology, son. It's like what the hell yeah. are you talking about? Like we can't just forgive no. um, student loan debt. We just can't do that. We can't just you know forgive student loan debt. Like, cause that would just be, 
Immoral. They see it as immoral. They see it as helping people out. They see it as fundamentally immoral. You see it with things like student debt. They say it creates a moral hazard, you know. And they and they and you see it now with even Democrats on this uh, extension of the unemployment insurance. They they many Democrats are even getting on board with the idea that unemployment insurance is immoral because it dis, is disincentivizes work. And it's like, guys, right. oh my God, like just. Just uh, this pure <laughs> ideology, like into your veins, like just get over it. You know, help people. People are suffering in this country. Just do it. Shut up. Yep. Yeah. All right, and we move on to Minnesota, where Ilhan Omar kicked yeah. ass. Man, there's there's no way to put it. She beat her opponent by a margin of 18 points. Um, incredible amount of turnout. Uh, man, Dave Weigel um, showed a graphic that I thought was pretty cool on Twitter. Uh, Ilhan Omar got 93,000 votes um, by on her own in her in her primary victory. And that QAnon candidate in Georgia in the in a Republican runoff, there was a total of 70,000 votes cast in that runoff, right? And Ilhan Omar in her primary got 93,000 on her own. Like that's, you know, that's just just a little factoid that y'all need to understand. The level of enthusiasm she's able to drum up. Um, I'm just like, this is an incredible um, victory, man. It's a continuation of some of the stuff we've seen from DSA and Justice Democratic types. Uh, you know, of course, Jamal Bowman and the Corey Bushes and all of that stuff. It's just, it's, it's just awesome to see, Nando. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's a continuation of the theme that we talked about last week with Rashida Tlaib, and that the mainstream press was hyping up this race over and over again. It's like, oh my God, Ilan Omar could lose to this like uh, arbitration attorney that no one gives a fuck about. Uh, millions of dollars poured into that race from Dark Money and APAC because they hate Ilan Omar because she thinks Palestinians are human beings. So. You know, the mainstream press was just following suit and saying that, oh, my God, Ilan Omar fighting for her political life. Same thing with Rashida Tlaib. Same thing with AOC when she ran against Michelle Caruso Cabrera, a Republican Wall Street uh, TV personality. And all three of them absolutely crushed their races. I mean, by like 30 points on average, each of them. So yep. it just goes to show like this, the, the deck is stacked against him from, from, a, from a media standpoint. But when you are this kind of congressperson that actually does stuff, that is actually visible, that is actually out there kind of advocating for your constituents and, and, and the needs of the people and all these things, like once you get in there, the hardest thing is getting in. But once you're in, they will reward you for that over and over and over again. If you deliver the goods like that for your people, they will they will reward you over and over again, no matter how hostile the media is. It's 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 just a complete repudiation of the um, conventional wisdom that you have to be like more moderate when you're in there and all that stuff. Like Elon Omar and Rashida Tlaib, especially, are very kind of. Uh, unapologetic in their yep. uh, in their leftness, you know, um, their leftism. Yep. Uh, and Omar has just been the subject of all kinds of like heinous, absolutely yeah, heinous. I feel attacks. like of all of well, no, I don't know. It, it's it's got to be a tie between her and AOC. AOC has been so visible; she's turned into a sort of celebrity yeah. of sorts. And so the right kind of uses her she's like a, a, a you know she's like a, a, a figurehead or like a, a she's a symbol for something that the right knows 
that their base is completely against. Just some mouthy broad from from the Northeast. We don't need that. We don't yeah. we, we don't like that. We don't like that. Yeah. No. And so they've used her as an avatar. That's the word that I was using. Yeah. They've used her as an avatar for you know things that they hate. So she's gotten it a lot. Like she is constantly on Fox News, but Ilyan Omar has been, man, and she gets it from people who ostensibly are supposed to be leftward-leaning, liberal-leaning. She gets it from both sides yeah. of the of the equation, and, and she gets it pretty yeah. pretty tough, too. Yeah. For, again, for not backing down, for talking about maybe some of the nice things that Castro did for poor people in Cuba. Yeah. Or, you're right you that know, AOC gets it a lot worse from the right or gets it, but liberals love AOC, you know? Yes. Whereas Ilan Omar obviously gets it from the right, but also from the libs. The libs hate yep. o- Ilan Omar. Like, I, they hate her. her, you know? So that's like the biggest difference is that the libs like have been constantly trying to undermine AOC, where, uh, sorry, Ilan Omar, whereas they kind of like AOC, you know, like they like her She's brand. She's good at playing the game. Yeah. She's very good at playing the game, um, and we've seen it just throughout the course of her tenure, right? Yeah. Like when, like when she chooses to like picking battles, you know, when she chooses to go against the establishment, the established order in the house. Like she's she's been more strategic. She's been quite frankly more political. Um, they, like there's no other way to put it than some of the other members of the squad. Plus, like, you know, she's photogenic and not to say that Ilhan Omar isn't because, let's face it, she's hot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, like, is is she's been playing the game pretty good. And, you know, again, we try to always bring it full circle here on the show. It's important that these people are winning these races. It's important that they're turning their seats into safe seats yeah. while being loud and proud lefties. Yeah. Um, it's important that they're doing that because, you know, as Nando just pointed out, like we need to get them to the place where they become powerful enough in the party where even the annoying neoliberal wing of the party would be like, shit, man, we kind of got to put these people on. Yeah. Right. Like they become celebrities. They become powerful. They become names and faces. Like we got to start making them a part of stuff. And that's how you achieve power. Like there's no other way to put it. Like there's no way to get, an Ilyan Omar type of person onto Joe Biden's presidential ticket. It's just, that's just not freaking happening at the point that we are right now. But you know what we have to hope for and push for is that she makes it through the crucible of the, the dynamics of the democratic party. And she comes out the other side, not too much of a, Poor, and and that's not gender specific. That is literally what, happens to you when you go through the machine that is you know party politics in this country and so you know not everybody comes out of it bernie man like straight up and down you know no but not everybody spends that much time in you know the the government or the in the house or the senate and comes out of it as somebody who still has pretty solid moral clarity intact so you know um that's why these races are important yeah no, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's unequivocal good news. I mean, it's just it's it's one of those things that you 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 hold on to in these kind of dark times. Is that there at least there is this kind of 
crew in the Congress and, you know, Cory Bush is coming in and Jamal Bowman's coming in and Mondaire Jones yeah. coming in. It's like basically doubling the size of the quote unquote mm-hmm. squad um, and and diversifying the, the geography of it. I mean, I still think we, you know, we need some some more Bernie Kratz in the Southwest. I mean, there's there's huge potential there, especially with like Mexican-Americans the brown you know, who people, yep. like rallied around Bernie in a way that was really remarkable and very mm-hmm. undercovered. Um, but it hasn't produced yet candidates that, that have won house races or, and things like that. Um, that seems to be like the next obvious place to build real power, um, in, in the Congress is, is, is in those areas. But, um, but yeah, unequivocal good news. I love it. Ilan Omar, I'm a big fan. I find her to be a genuinely inspiring person. Um, when that's very few and far between, um, yep. basically it's for me, it's her and Bernie are the ones that really do kind of speak to me on a much more visceral level um, than than any other politicians. And if she's listening to the woke bros, as I'm sure, sure she is, uh, Omar, <laughs> come on the show. I love you. Yes, yes, we love you, Ilyan Omar or Ilhan. Yeah, Ilhan. Yeah, excuse me. I, I'm, watch. Your I'm gonna get that. Gonna I'm gonna you, get that down you, pat. She's telling you how to do it, man. I'm going to get that down pat, and, and, and y'all are going to be sick of me in <laughs> these renunciations. Watch. And so, you know, finally, man, we, we end up <laughs> over the weekend. I happened to be in Palm Springs. I was in oh, a yeah. pool. Wow, fancy. Enjoying, yeah, yeah. I was enjoying some hard seltzers. Hell yeah. You know, gazing at the stars when um, it came over the wire that the president had... <laughs> he, he issued an executive order to uh, basically extend the unemployment insurance benefits that was in the 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 what what did they call the CARES Act? Was that the um? Yeah, it was the CARES the, Act. Yeah, the relief program or whatever. Um, instead and taking it from instead six hundred bucks extra as it was to four hundred bucks extra. Um, you know essentially you know decreeing like this is what i would like to see happen for and we can unpack all the reasons why you know the republican president might want that to be the case yeah. um and then you know as as the days follow it gets disentangled like you can't actually do this um there has to be a couple of processes and what it ends up being is that from where i sit um nando it seems like donald trump is sending a message to Mitch McConnell and crew, like, get this shit through ASAP. We want this through. The people are going to love it coming from me. Like, I get to take credit for literally putting money in their pockets. My shit is coming up in November. I want to win again. Get this through. Stop fucking around. And what you see happening in the Senate, as always with the Republican leadership, they're having a hard time choosing between utter cruelty and humanity. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, what do we do? Sometimes we want to be human, but our ideology dictates that we treat people like shit at every turn. Ah, how do we do it, Nando? <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, that scene in fucking um in Macbeth. Oh, shit. Where where he's just having this like existential crisis, like he cannot make a decision. He's just Hamlet. He's just rife to be oh, or not Hamlet, to be. Excuse me. Yeah. Not not Hamlet. Macbeth. Not Macbeth. Hamlet. Yeah. Cut that shit out, Rob. Yeah. So I can sound smart. <laughs> Hamlet. To be or not to be. That is the question. Yeah. Hamlet, where he's just like the indecision. What do I do? What? 
do I just murder people and hope that they or hope that they starve to death, or do I just let them have four hundred bucks extra? Yeah, it's well, it's not. Insane. I don't think it's. I don't think it's right that it's the decision between utter cruelty and humanity. It's the, they. They want to do utter cruelty all the time. It's just sometimes that being human uh, actually benefits their own, their own self-interest, especially at the polls. <laughs> and right. we talked about it a little last week that the, there's a split in the Republican Party um, because I think that they, um, the people who are up for re-election right now desperately want to pass some form of extension on the relief programs because they know that if they throw people off these relief programs, uh, they will lose big in November. I think Mitch McConnell has already written off the election as a loss. Um, um, you know, that mm. I think that that's kind of the split between McConnell and Trump is that Trump knows that if he passes like another version of this relief bill, he might have a chance. You know, and if he passes a if they pass a generous one, like maybe if they expanded the six hundred to eight hundred dollars, you know, like he might even win. Like that could that just kind of thing that you could win you an election. But I think that they've written him off, and they'd rather just do the bidding of their donors and play their and play their cards in the next round, 2022, 2024. Um, they. Um, and hold on, hold on, Nando. Let's can we? I want to unpack that for a second because I think it's important for people to understand. Yeah. The decision that's actually being faced here. When we talk about the donor class and their sphere of influence, um, it's essentially if you're not up for election and you're just like, there's no reason for me to upset my donors right now who, let's face it, they want people to go back to work yes. for the unlivable wages that they currently pay them yeah. at. That's what it's coming down to. It's like, we need these, stop letting these people stay home. We want them coming back to work for eight fifty an hour. What the hell are you idiots yeah. doing out there? Like, that makes no sense. These people were perfectly happy working for slave wages. Get them back out there, right? Yeah. But as a politician... <laughs> How do you not just make the calculation and like, all right, you guys will get over this by yeah. the time it's time for me to be reelected because what are you going to do? You're going to back the Dems? Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, I don't understand the calculation being made there. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing is it, it, they could, it could, they could lose and back the Dems. I mean, the, the, the biggest, the biggest factor in people's voting is the, is the, is the, the state no, of the economy. I don't mean the voting. I'm talking about the donor class. Oh, the, like Mitch yeah. McConnell's no, they favorite will. I mean, the donor ruling class, class yeah, people. I mean, they're not going to back the Dems, but they might, they might back someone else within the Republican mm, Party. You got know? you. Got um, you. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's 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 just what it is. And it's just and it's also like just deeply ideological as well. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's 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 what's going on there. I mean, it's it's and it's it's been really remarkable because the the six hundred dollars on extension, uh, the, the six hundred dollars unemployment insurance bonus, which is on top of like, you know, the existing unemployment insurance um, actually was relatively generous for uh, the American context. It's like it's piss poor in like the European context, but it's relatively generous oh, in the American right. context. Tons of workers were actually making more money off of the unemployment insurance than they were of in course. their previous jobs. And there's been kind of this there was this Reddit thread that went uh, kind of viral this week of, of workers talking about their experience receiving the unemployment insurance. And it was just like unbelievably moving because you see all these people who've just been like living on a knife's edge for years, like working bullshit jobs for minimum wage, struggling to scrape by like every single week, just like wow. stressing out over rent, working their ass off in these like 
utterly demeaning jobs um, and and just having literally like no time to do anything for themselves, anything that like makes life worth living, you know, like learning how to play or an put instrument. any money away like yeah, shit, oh, yeah, yeah. some, some kind of emergency I'm comes up, about, I like, got $200 for book, it. You know, or right. like, mm. you know, learning something Jesus, or man. picking up a hobby, like these kind of things like, you know, and so a lot of these workers for the first time have had the ability to do something like that. And you're hearing stories of people who are like, man, I finally like learned how to cook for myself. I've like lost 30 pounds. I feel like really healthy for the first time. You know, wow. I feel like I, I feel like I've finally been able to take a breath after 10 years of just like, you know, working my ass off and stressing about money every single second of every single day. And it's just, yeah. it, it's a window into like what even the most mild redistributive policies in America would do just like the, uh, the, the unleashing of human potential, the unleashing of, uh, of <laughs> dignity that, that would go across for millions and millions of people in this country who suffer so many indignities every single day. You know, it's just like, it, it's really just a small window. And of course, they're just going to crack that door open a little bit and then slam it right back slam shut, right shut. Um, yep. and, and make these people work for what you talked, what you called, I think accurately slave wages. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's really There's no two ways about it. Like the, the, the data, the, the, the data is out there. St wages have stagnated. Nothing else has. Okay. Um, it's still really expensive. It, grocery prices have gone up. Rents, forget about it. Like there's nothing stagnant about rents. That continues to go up. So cost of living increases. Your wages stay exactly the same. And people are expected to live yep. that way. Right. Um, and you know, I'm glad you brought up the idea of like, if well, first of all, I think Donald Trump gets the idea better than yeah. a lot of people. Just the concept of a transaction. Just like I give them 800 yeah. a week. I'm going yeah. to win. You will. I'm going to win. If he manages <laughs> to pull off something like that, he'll win. 100%. He will win. If he increased the amount of money he was giving people to not go back to these jobs, Look he at his would win. His approval rating after he down. did the Trump bucks, you know, the, 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 the check with his name, the, the 1200 with his name on it, which was like a genius political move. And everyone's like, Oh my God, look at him. He's putting it. Fucking signature. It's so narcissistic, but he knows, he knows he's but he gets that it. Sense. You know, he's got like a, I don't know. He's got like a carnival barker sensibility to him. Yes. And, and, and that's yes. savvy. And look at his approval rating in the weeks after the 1200 came out. Shot up, you know, it shot up. Imagine if you just did that of over and over again, up. it would keep shooting up. And 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 that's how that's how politics works. Give people easily understandable things that improve their lives, not uh, Pell Grant relief uh, for uh, for uh, W O C uh, BIPOC who start a, a, yeah. a, a coding business in underserved areas uh, for a minimum of three and a half years or some bullshit like that. You just give them like, <laughs> oh, you check. How does somebody with 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 crippling student debt start yeah. a business in the like, how do you even yeah. achieve that? The point of just you incurring student debt is that you didn't have cash. Yeah. On, forget, I, whatever. I, that's just the perfect way to end the show, though, Nando. What you said, it's like that's politics, dude. Doing stuff for people in a way that they can clearly understand how I would improve talk their about lives. Lyndon Johnson, when he was a first-term congressman, one of the youngest congressmen of all time, in his first term, he busted his ass 
to bring electricity to his district. His district did not have electricity. Mm. Um, it was people living in mm. very rough conditions in very remote area of Texas. Texas. And he brought electricity. He ran on that forever, and they rewarded him forever. He's like, I brought electricity <laughs> to the Hill Country. All these women that used to have to, like, you know, break their backs, like washing clothes and cooking all that stuff, like with like unbelievably harsh conditions now could just like put it in a washing machine. And all that shit. I brought electricity to the hill country vote for me. That was it. And he won every single race. That's it. That, that, that's it. That's it. That's, that's what we try to explain on the show. That's what we like when people are just like, Oh, you just sat there and you killed such and such. It's just like, Bruh, it's not about, you know, this person's a Democrat, so they pass this. So it's not even about, oh, they need to be some pure person. It's like, are you trying to do shit for people or yeah. are you not? Like, that's that's essentially the yeah. litmus test here. And, um, you know, that's what we're going to continue to fight for. Of course, man, make sure you become a Patreon of CountTheDings.com. Man, we know this is rough times. If you can't, we understand. But if you can spare, you know, two cups of Starbucks a month to become a patron of CountTheDings.com, please do so. Um, it helps pay for us to do this outstanding content that we bring to you every single week. Um, make sure you're checking out Cinephobe. Uh, make sure you're checking out the original Black Opinions Matter show. Growing up the same, Trey is getting some outstanding guests on Growing Up the Same. Of course, there's the Friday mailbag, Wednesday service with Naima Cochran, who, you know, she just wrote up a dope joint on Billboard about the versus movement um, that, that sprung up during quarantine. Just another example of black creativity here in America. Uh, just make sure you're checking out all of the shows, man. We're going to see you guys next week. Always remember left is best uh rest in peace to my brother michael brooks Later. we out man